Welcome to First Focus, a podcast here at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia where we highlight various events and ministries around the church. I'm Scott Hull, a member of First Pres and one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Josh Adair, pastoral intern of Biblical Counseling. What do we have for the folks this week, Josh? This week, I'm interviewing Dr. Derek Thomas, the senior minister here at our church. We're going to be discussing some thoughts behind the prayer room, as well as some of the inside scoop behind the sermon series we're about to enter back into this fall with the Gospel of John. He'll share some of his thinking behind why the prayer room is important, and also why he wanted to study John together on Sunday mornings. If you have questions about the show or any ministry at the church, do not hesitate to contact us. You can find all our contact info on our website, which is firstprescolumbia.org. That's firstprescolumbia.org or on the app. Let's get to the conversation. We have the distinct joy today of being joined by our senior pastor, Derek Thomas. Derek, would you say hello for us? Hello. Uh, The thought behind this podcast today is that we're going to discuss... just some 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 upcoming things in the fall, and and we thought it would be a great opportunity to hear uh, from Derek, our senior minister, um, especially because since we relaunched the podcast, we've not had a chance to hear from him. And so we were thinking, uh, there's been some initiatives in the life of our church, like our prayer room, and and also our our Sunday morning sermon series that we could we could ask you about this morning, Derek. So. So that being said, uh, why don't we why don't we start with just the prayer room? Uh, how how did this initiative get started in our church, and and what was some of the thinking that went on behind it? Um, it was a conversation with the Long Range Planning Committee uh, and Dave Vanderwater, who mm-hmm. was chairing it, and he he sort of threw. Uh, the focus of the church on prayer into my lap and and to engage that uh, and, and take it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then a conversation with, with George, uh, the, the minister at Shandon Baptist, and uh, I just happened to ask him, you know, what do you do about prayer? And we both had the same kind of struggles, and most churches have the same struggles and he said you know we have a prayer room and at first I said oh George that sounds terribly Baptist uh, and, and then I thought about it a little more uh, and I thought you know actually it's a really good idea mm-hmm. uh, so we have one here uh, in Palmer uh, first floor turn left as you go in and it's in the room with the nice comfy chairs and and so on and uh, you can go online. It's on the app, and you can book an hour. You don't have to stay an hour, but you can you can book an, uh, uh, an hour, and you can book it uh, one time, or you can book it kind of recurring. And um, uh, you know, we we need we need to get that word out there. And uh, you know, maybe there's a time in the course of the week. Maybe it's a Sunday afternoon, or maybe it's uh, you know on uh, early morning on a on a day off or when you're coming to work in the city mm-hmm. and uh, uh, pray through uh, all the great needs that we have and uh, there are pastoral needs and there's, uh, there's information up to date every day uh, in the prayer room uh, but also um, it's a time for reflection and and uh, you can go alone or you can go with someone there's probably room in there for four People comfortably, I think maybe maybe five, but um, 
you and your and your significant other uh, can can and that might be more helpful for some. Uh, I personally, I I like to go there alone, mm. and um, it's uh, it's something I, I I want to emphasize a lot. Yeah, I thought that we could hear you talk just a little bit more about some of the ways that you've seen prayer at work in the lives of different different folks that you've ministered to throughout the years because. You know, I can think of the, the book that a lot of our, our members who have been involved in the Foundry program have gone through on the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. On the chapter of prayer, uh, it says that if, if we are going to be like Christ, then we must pray. And so I would, I would love to hear if you can think of any stories off the top of your head about just ways that you've seen that discipline spiritually and that, that Yes, privilege. I mean, prayer is like, is like breath. Uh, without it, you die uh, but it's also the evidence that you are alive. That you know, are you still breathing? Is a is a phrase we use, and uh, and and prayer is a bit like that. That that we we demonstrate that we have a, a relationship with the Lord uh, by talking to Him mm-hmm. and listening to Him, and uh, you know, and prayer is a two way process. It's not just us talking to the Lord. Uh, it, it's also us receiving instruction from him through his word uh, by giving us insight and wisdom and reflection. But uh, more importantly here in the prayer room, uh, we're part of a body, we're part of a, a community, uh, the church. And uh, you know, to be able to say, as I've, I've already texted three people this morning saying, you know, we prayed for you this morning at yeah. our staff meeting. Uh, and to s- sense that genuine uh, feeling uh, that that they are grateful and thankful um, beyond words that that others are praying for them, and especially for the sick. Um, you know, on Wednesday nights we, we we struggle as as a lot of churches do. We struggle about the prayer session on Wednesday night, and uh, it. It represents a, a very small proportion of our of our membership, but folks pray elsewhere, and uh, there are Bible studies and and fellowship meetings uh, where uh, there's prayer uh, and corporate prayer, uh, and I know of groups of people that meet together specifically to pray, and um, uh, we send out information, especially to our office bearers and, and um, they, they receive information uh, about our flock uh, and to, to pray for one another um, but it's something it, you know prayer is can so easily become a guilt thing you, you can you can easily play the guilt card in any context I mean how's your prayer life and you know it's going downhill from there for sure uh, but it's it's um, experiencing the encouragement of prayer, and 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 prayer is like any spiritual discipline. It's a habit, mm. and, and that doesn't sound very spiritual. But but a lot of sanctification and and a lot of our uh, discipline and spiritual disciplines are habit formation. Once once you once you do something. Every day, or or once a week at a specific time, it becomes part of the routine. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, you know, 
I was talking to somebody yesterday about uh, are they 8.30 people or are they 11.15 people? Mm. And he said, oh, I've, I've got into the habit of getting up at whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, eight, I'm an 8.30 person. And there it was. It was just it's a habit. It's a routine. And, and we are wonderfully and fearfully made. Uh, but we're also creatures of routine. Mm. And uh, establishing a routine for devotional uh, exercises, for reading the Bible, for praying every day, or, or developing a routine for this is the time I pray for the congregation specifically. Mm. And you can do that at home, uh, but um, there are times, and, and you know, maybe, maybe you're on campus for something, for a meeting, or, or, and you come regularly, and so why not come 15 minutes earlier and say, I'm going to spend 15 minutes in the prayer room, mm. and I'll do that every, you know, every time I come to this meeting, I'm just going to come 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. And there's there's a sense too which you said in a body our size how how can we get to know each other that that's also something that that offers us because we have real needs of our congregation that are outlined in the prayer room that that you can pray for and correct and and it is one of the things we struggle with as a as a largish church and 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 the eight thirty eleven fifteen thing adds to that complexity in that folk who attend one service often don't know the people who attend the other. And um, so, uh, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes you, you don't recognize a name, but you recognize a face. And, and so this is why the, the pictures, taking the pictures, the photos sure. that we're doing right now is so mm-hmm. important. I can't tell you the number of times somebody said, you know, so-and-so, and I'm think, scratching my head, and I think, yeah, I'm not sure. And I look up at the picture, and if there's a picture, I think, oh, yeah, of course I know that person. Yes. Um, I also wanted to, to spend some time asking you about our sermon series, John, that we've been in this year. You know, I don't think many of our congregation get to hear some of your pastoral heart behind why you choose certain passages of Scripture or certain books to walk through as a congregation, but... Routinely, we are walking through books that that minister to our needs as a congregation, and you know we've been in John this year. We're we're about to start that back up in a few weeks, I believe. Um, and I'd I'd love to hear more of your thinking about where are we going to go, and and obviously to the end of John. But uh, but what what are what is some of your thinking about why this book for our congregation in this season? And it's the morning service rather than the evening service and I I would make a distinction between those two as to what I would preach on. There are things I I probably wouldn't preach on on Sunday morning because they're they're too technical Mm -hmm. uh, and they belong perhaps on a Wednesday evening when you can go off the reservation and and examine complex stuff that would be hard in the context of Sunday morning. Like the John 8 sermon that you did? Possibly, yes, ago. yes, uh, because of the fact that that text is disputed and, mm-hmm. and therefore we had to go into textual criticism, which is a really difficult topic for some folk to sort of manage and handle. And uh, but, but it was perfect, I think, for the Sunday evening congregation. Uh, and, and you've got more time. 
we're often pressed for time on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and because um, there are lots of moving parts, and, and we have to keep going, and sure. uh, and so on. And uh, but I've always had, you know, how do ministers choose what to preach on? And and in part, the answer is what is speaking to me at the moment, but but also more significantly, what to, what does our church actually need at this moment? Sure. You know, does it need First Corinthians, mm. a dysfunctional church with every kind of problem going on? Is is that what we need at the minute? And 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 no, I don't think so. I, I think that's fascinating, interesting book, but it's not where our church is right now. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, praise um, the Lord for that. Yes. Uh, but I do think that the reason we have four Gospels, all of them telling the same story but from different points of view and different angles, and, and they do it very differently, but it's the same story, means, I think, that there should be a constant focus on Jesus. And, and, and yes, every book of the Bible talks about Jesus, and, and it's very important wherever you are in the Bible to find your way to Jesus eventually, um, whether you're in Genesis or Revelation. But we cannot have enough of the actual words of Jesus and the life of, of Jesus and the narrative of redemption. And John is different from the Synoptic Gospels. John tells the story from above, whereas the others, and particularly Mark, tells the story from Below, mm. Mark focuses a lot on the humanity of Jesus, and John, right out of the gates, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. And, and it's confronting the fact that this human Jesus is divine. Mm. Uh, he's, a, he's a game changer, he's a life changer, this mm. supernatural written all over him. And um, so we've been in John, and and we've got a little bit more to go in the first part of John. John divides into two, and the, the book of life and the book of signs, as it's sometimes called, mm-hmm. and uh, or the book, sorry, the book of signs and the book of glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still in the book of uh, signs. Uh, and, and that change will take place in chapter 12. Uh, and we'll begin in the fall again in John. We've had a hiatus over the summer because of the way our lives go all to pieces over the summer. <laughs> and continuity yeah. is difficult over the summer. So we've been looking at some psalms together of uh, when the psalm, uh, when the author of the psalm uh, finds himself under pressure for one reason or another. And uh, I've I've received back some information that, you know, particular psalms have been particularly meaningful to mm. particular people. And uh, But in September, uh, we won't start John on, on, I keep calling it kickoff Sunday, but that's not what we call Rally it. Sunday. Rally Sunday. And uh, we'll, we'll actually continue with the Psalms through August uh, and begin in September back in John again. Mm. And, uh, you know, John, as 
I mean, it's a commonplace. It's, you know, this isn't, this isn't a theologian's observation, but John knew Jesus. Mm. He knew him really well. He was Jesus's best friend. And so when John is telling you about Jesus, you're getting an eyewitness account from somebody who knew him really well. Mm. And there's something about that, that, that insight. You know, Luke is telling a second-hand story in part. He's had to do some research, and he's talking from research about Jesus. But, but John, John knew Jesus well, and he is completely overwhelmed by his identity. Mm. And as a Jew worships this man who is the God-man, and, and that in itself is breathtaking, that, that somebody who's a monotheist, mm. uh, as the Jews were, repeating the Shema of Israel, behold the Lord your God, he is one, you know, three times a day. Mm. And, and yet, this, this living, breathing, eating, sleeping, individual that John encounters um, and he calls him God. Mm. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. He, he mm. is Jehovah. He is Kurios. Mm. Um, what, what possibly made that happen in John's mind and consciousness? That there's something about this Jesus figure that does that to John and I want to know more about this Jesus character mm. um, and so uh, you know we'll segue into you know and John is completely disproportional in the way he writes the gospel as most of the gospels are but John in particular spends half of the gospel you know his 21 chapters and half of it is about one week of Jesus's life. Mm. You know, if you wrote yeah. a biography like that, you know, you'd be panned. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but but that last week, the upper room discourse, you know, four chapters on one evening, mm. and then the description of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, and um, uh, fascinating. Mm. Um, yeah, if there's a passage that you, I mean, you said in in choosing a book of scripture to go through that uh, you're thinking of for your congregation, you first choose what's been speaking to you. And so you've obviously been speaking to this, but what in particular, as you look ahead in the passages that remain in John that we're going to cover, what what has what has really struck you as you have prepared and even looked ahead? Yes, I mean, John is a gospel that I've thought about and read and reread, you know, hundreds of times, I'm sure, uh, since I became a Christian almost 50 years ago. And um, there's something about uh, the... expanse of material that John provides about the upper room mm. 
that intimate conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, what they are to do once he is gone, the provision of his personal representative agent, the Holy Spirit, that, that occupies chapters 15 and 16, the, the other comforter, yeah. the, another, the parakletos, the, the counselor. counselor, advocate, whatever word you use to translate yeah. parakletos. But, but what Jesus is doing is not just ministering to his disciples, saying to them, look, after tomorrow I'll be gone. You'll, you'll see me a few times in my resurrection body, but I'm, I will come to you again by the Holy Spirit. And so he's actually preparing not just the disciples, but he's preparing us for, for life without the physical body of Jesus present. And, and what is the mission, then, of the church? Mm. What, what are we to do, and where are we going to find out what that is? And the answer is the Holy Spirit, and the answer is the New Testament, mm. and, and the answer is mission, and the answer is being the church, because there is only one plan, and it's church. Yeah. Uh, um, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And there's no plan B. Mm. The only plan there is is church. Mm. So what is the purpose and function of the church? Which is a question uh, that we ask all the time about, because we, we, there's mission drift. Mm. And, and we, we go off on tangents and, you know, we focus on this or that or the other. And, but we need to come back all the time to, you know, what is the gospel? And what is the gospel asking us to do? As a consequence, Amen. That's a good word. So, as as you think of, and you may not want to answer this question. You can say no. Um, uh, I can edit it out. But uh, as you think of areas of mission drift in our church, you're our senior minister. You know what's what uh, what is the state of our flock? And I know you can be sensitive to this, but I'd love to. If there's a way that you would want our congregation to listen out for areas of mission drift, what would they be? Well, let me answer it in a generic form. I mean, anything that deviates us from the gospel, mm. anything that deviates us from uh, the substitutionary and, and, and satisfaction nature of Jesus' atonement, mm. um, anything that creates a, a, a sort of I'm saved by attendance. I'm saved by doing more prayer. I'm saved by, I'm really interested in missions. Mm. And, and it's a very subtle thing. Mm. And, and, but we've, okay, we've moved away now from the gospel. And, and so that, that's mission drift. Um, mission drift is, uh, I was thinking about it in the 17th Psalm that, looked at last Sunday morning, and one of the things that the psalmist asks for is, make your covenant love for me a thing of wonder. Mm. And if if we come to church and we sing hymns and we listen to the sermon and we go to Sunday school and then we go home, but we're not overwhelmed by the love of God for us in Christ, in the gospel, then then mission drift has taken place somewhere. Mm. 
and um, so, so it's anything you know whenever a new idea you know let's do x or let's do y or let's do z and 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 sometimes they're, they're, they're all good and necessary and, and they're aspects of what we do, but if it's not a consequence of the gospel, then, then it's mission drift. Mm. Um, when, we are, when we lose sight of evangelism, that, the, that, that we're to go into the world and make disciples, we're to preach the gospel, we are to win souls for Christ, pluck them like brands from the burning. Um, there's mission drift. Um, and I think that that's, uh, I mean, I think that's something that Satan uh, encourages to, to take our eyes off Jesus. Amen. Um, you know, that's, and it was in part why I chose a gospel, because I think we, we ought to be constantly in a gospel somewhere at some point at some time. And we have the luxury, I mean, if you're in a church where there's only Sunday morning, that's, that's it. There's just one sort of shot, and, and that's mm-hmm. it. And that, that, that's a, that, would be, that would be very difficult for me. But here, we have lots of opportunities. We have Sunday morning, we have Sunday evening, we have Wednesday lunch, we have Wednesday evening, and, and then there are other things that we do. So you can do a variety of things. You know, where do you preach on Ezekiel? Imagine launching on a Sunday morning on Ezekiel. <laughs> and, I, and I've done that. I've preached through Ezekiel. Yeah. And it's a wonderful, extraordinary, fascinating book and difficult in the closing sections of it. Mm. Um, but imagine spending, you know, say three years expounding on Ezekiel. Where do you do that? And, and I think the answer is probably not on Sunday morning. Uh, that would be my answer because I can do that somewhere else sure and um, you know we are to preach the whole counsel of God mm-hmm. uh, but, and that's hard to do if you've only got one shot at it so Gabe and I uh, discuss as Ralph and I did be- before he retired and you know we, we talk about well if you're doing John let me do something different sure if you're doing New Testament, let me do Old Testament. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a prophet, let me do a poet. So, so that there's emphasis on on different genres and and, and different aspects of mm-hmm. of the Bible. Well, Derek, thank you so much for this this little. Thank you, Josh. Too. And I should explain. You know, this is like Josh Junior. <laughs> Because there's so many Joshes, but this is uh, this is uh, Josh Adair, mm. uh, the senior intern Josh. Thank you, senior assistant to the interns. <laughs> it should be said. Well, uh, on behalf of all of our listeners, uh, thank you, Derek, for 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 joining us this morning, for being willing to share some of your heart, to give us a peek into the the labor of love that you have for our congregation, to to really help us to grasp the full counsel of God's word, and to to take hold of our Savior, uh, to, to, to ask Him for what we need. And um, thank you for being willing to, to share with us about that. It's a privilege. Thank you. And we will look forward to hearing from you this fall. Thank you. You've been listening to First Focus. 
For Dr. Derek Thomas, as well as all the staff here at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia, I'm Josh Adair. And I'm Scott Hull. Thank you for joining us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, God bless.